go. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, and will be in verses 35 to 41. It's page 710. If you'd like to follow along in the Pew Bible, 710 in the Pew Bible, Mark chapter 4, and we'll be in verses 35 to 41. Jesus calms the storm. Matthew chapter 4, beginning at verse 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let's go over to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? So he got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Let's pray. Father, today we come across one of the most amazing passages in Scripture. And I pray, Father, that uh, we'll take to heart the significance in our own lives as we realize sometimes we go through storms and why they, are, why they come. Open our hearts, open our minds to be receptive. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Today's passage... It really is for, it's for anyone who's ever been in a storm in life. Or it's, well, and it's also for those who might be going through a storm. And it's for those who one day will go through a storm. I guess, that, is that everybody? You know, I, I was 43 years old. I had never been sick a day in my life. And all I had was a toothache. But about a month after that, and a number of tests and other things, I heard a doctor tell me something I thought I would never hear from a doctor. He said, you have cancer. I said, you're kidding. What, what kind? He said, it's called non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. I said, well, let me get, he was talking on the phone. I said, well, let me get a paper and pencil and write this down. I've never even heard of this stuff. And I don't, much less know anything about it. I had no idea the storm I was heading into. And maybe you're going through a storm. Maybe it's a, a, a financial storm. I mean, you, you have a budget. You pay your bills on time. You give faithfully and generously to the Lord's work. And yet... The company you work for is downsizing. And maybe your job is going to be cut. There's a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear. Or maybe you're going through another kind of a storm. Maybe a, a personal storm. And there's just a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear. What this storm may involve. You know, there really are there are really two kinds of people 
There are those that are prepared to go through storms and they go through them sometimes even coming out better on the other side. And then there are those who go through storms they are not prepared and those storms will shake them to their very core. You know, for the past 20 months all of us have been going through a storm and it started off rather innocently, I thought. You know, remember two weeks to stop the spread. And let me tell you, none of us at that time had a clue the storm that was coming our way. And it has been a storm that has, has generated tremendous amounts of fear, anxiety, and worry. How do we, how do we navigate the storms of life? How do we navigate them? Well, in today's passage, the disciples... They are going to do, they're going to do everything right and they're still going to find themselves in a storm. And they're going to learn how do you navigate a storm. We're going to look at the fact that the Lord will, he'll send us on a mission, he'll give us a task, we have an assignment from him and we'll obey it. And you know what happens sometimes? We still end up in a storm. And then we're going to look at how we navigate those storms in life. Let's take a look. First of all, number one, first, when the Lord sends us on a mission, we obey it. Whenever the Lord has a task, whatever the Lord is calling us to do, the number one thing is we obey it. Now, in today's passage, Jesus has been, he's been teaching along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And it's getting late, and he's going to wrap things up. And in doing so, he tells the disciples, he says, let's go over to the other side. Now, the sun is beginning to set. It is a beautiful evening. And uh, it's absolutely a gorgeous time to get in a boat and travel to the other side. But what, what is this other side? In verse number 35, Jesus says, let's go over to the other side. What, what is this other side? Well, in chapter 5, and we'll look at this more next week, it's Gentile territory, the land of the Gerasenes. And we know it's Gentile because it says in chapter 5, in verse number 11, that there is a large herd of pigs roaming and, and uh, feeding on the, on the hillside over there. And literally, there are thousands of pigs that are feeding on the hillside. So what does that tell you? It's not Jewish. This is Gentile. And why, why would Jesus be taking the disciples over to this Gentile side? Now, if you're thinking that he's taking them over there because he wants to treat them to some pulled pork sandwiches, that is totally wrong. That is not what this is about. All right? Jesus is going there to preach the kingdom. But it's not only, not only pigs that are roaming the hillside. There are evil spirits roaming the side over there haunted caves even stories of demon possessed people and we'll talk about that next week demon possessed people on that other side some of them some of the people referred to that over there that gentile territory they referred to it as zombie land and Jesus says to the disciples let's go over there 
And by the way, Mark also adds a little interesting note. He says in verse 36, there were also other boats with him. What in the world is that all about? Because they're never heard from again. We don't know anything about it. I think it says, it tells us Jesus has a large following for number one. But it also tells us that the weather is absolutely perfect. Everybody is in agreement. It's good weather. And, and the people back then, they knew weather. They could see the forecast. They did not have, you know, Doppler radar. But they could tell what was good weather and what wasn't. Let me read something Jesus said once. He says, the Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus and they tested him, asking him to show them a sign from heaven. And he replied, when evening comes, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, today it will be stormy, for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearances of the sky. But do not know how to interpret the signs of the time. What Jesus, and this is not the point Jesus was making, but they, they could tell the weather's just fine. In fact, it's so nice, so calm, so restful that Jesus lays down in the boat and goes to sleep. It's all good. But let's give the, let's give the disciples two stars, alright, for obeying the Lord and getting in the boat and sailing over to zombie land which is a very threatening place to be and I think it's a great example for us when the Lord calls on us to do something we obey him we follow him we go with him sometimes it's a big task sometimes he gives us a small task but you know what there are many ways that it can it can all play out but we follow him let me give you an example of what I mean, uh, of a family, and, and the grandfather passed away, and so the family kind of met together, and they began to discuss what's going to happen to grandma, because she really isn't able to take care of herself, and she can't live alone in the place where she is. So the family talks about it, and they all come to the same agreement, we should ask grandma to move in with us. And... Uh, after all, the Bible does say, honor your father and mother. What better way to honor your mother, your grandmother, your mother, than to make sure that she's taken care of in her older age. So they invite her to come live with them. And she agrees. And everybody thinks this is exactly what should happen. And it's all good. And we would think that since we're doing the Lord's work and doing the Lord's will, following his scripture, that all would be well. I mean, don't we have kind of a, an unwritten agreement with God that when we're walking with him and serving him and obeying him, that he's going to keep problems away. But, it, but that's not always the case. It certainly isn't the case with the disciples. And it generally, well, I, sometimes it's not the case with us either. Because sometimes we could do the right things. And things just start going wrong. Notice second of all. Second. When, when we obey the Lord. Sometimes things do go wrong. So the disciples are crossing the Sea of Galilee. And they're about halfway across. Guess what happens? 
a storm comes up. I mean, this, this thing comes out of nowhere. And the waves are literally coming over the boat. And the disciples are terrified. They're, they're, and remember, by the way, some of these men have fished on this, this body of water all their lives. They, they grew up on this body of water. Their grandparents fished this body of water. And even they are terrified because they know that at any moment that boat could capsize and they're going to be headed straight for Davy Jones' locker. And so they're, fe- they're fearful. By the way, where is Jesus during the storm? Verse 38. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. Can you believe that? I mean, you know, what's interesting, every time the disciples would tell this story, they always remembered Jesus was sleeping on a cushion. And they could just see it in their mind every time they would tell the story. Where was Jesus? Oh, he was sleeping on a cushion. And then sometimes people ask, how could Jesus sleep in a storm like that? You know, the only thing I could think of was that this cushion was a uh, Mike Lindell my pillow cushion where you get the best night's sleep you ever had. That's the only thing I can think of. He was sound asleep. But you know really he had the peace of God in his heart. What a contrast between Jesus who's peaceful at heart sleeping calmly and the disciples who are fearful and fretful scared to death. And so what do the disciples do? they wake Jesus up wake him up and notice what they say to him verse 38 teacher don't you care if we drown (laughs) not only is this boat coming apart the disciples are starting to come apart they're coming unglued Uh, there there are two storms here there's a storm on the surface of the, of, the, of the sea, but there's another storm in the depths of their heart. And it is a storm of fear. They're terrified, and they're asking Jesus, Why? Don't you, don't you care? We're all going to die. Don't you care? Have, have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt, God, don't you care that I am really hurting right now? God, don't you care that uh, I'm really suffering? God, don't you care that I'm going through this? Don't you care my, my heart is broken? You know why we feel that way? Because we have, this, we have this presumption that as long as we're walking with the Lord and obeying Him and, and doing all the right things, God is going to keep us from the storms of life. We have this kind of this unwritten agreement. Lord, I'll obey you and walk with you and you keep all the problems away from me. Now, where did that notion come from? Surely not the Bible. Because I can guarantee you for a fact that even though you're walking with the Lord, you can still go through storms in your life. But I can also guarantee you that the Lord loves you as you're going through those storms. Remember, Everything that comes our way always goes through the hands of Jesus. Everything has to have his approval. And those hands have nail prints 
Always remember that. Everything that comes our way comes through the hands of the Lord and those hands have nail prints. Well, Jesus takes action. Verse 39. It says, He got up, rebuked the wind, said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And then the wind died down and it was completely calm. Just like that. Just like that. You know, Jesus doesn't, he doesn't roll up his sleeves, you know, and tell, hey, guys, stand back a little bit. Let me get a couple deep breaths here and get my energy up. Nothing like that. Jesus simply, notice verse 39. He got up and he rebuked the wind. That word rebuke, that's a powerful word. It is a strong word. It is a word, it is a forceful word. It is, it is a word that denotes loud, boisterous, condemnation. It is a word of utter disdain. Now, we don't know what Jesus said, but whatever it was, it was loud, it was forceful, and it was powerful. And then, Jesus says to the waves, and that word said, Jesus said to the waves, that word, that's the word that we would use talking uh, to one another after church. Jesus said to the waves, quiet, be still. I know my Bible has exclamation marks after those words. Um, I think I left those out. Oh, I didn't put that in my PowerPoint. My bad. Those are not in the original text. All right, that's been added. I, I think what we have here are two tones. That first tone of rebuke is a powerful, strong Jesus showing utter disdain and condemning the wind. And then calmly speaking to the waves. How interesting though. Really two miracles taking place. I mean we know enough about storms to know that a storm can blow through. And the waves of a large body of water. They'll continue for hours. Sometimes even days after a storm's come through. But immediately everything is calm. So when Jesus rebukes the wind. And then merely talks to the waves. What's really happening here? I'm going to tell you. This is not a natural storm. This is not a low pressure system. Kind of drifting in from the west. This is not a, um, a dry line coming in from the north. This, this storm is fueled by supernatural forces. This is a supernatural storm. Here's what's going on. Jesus and his disciples are on a boat and they're headed towards the kingdom of the evil prince. That place where Jesus and his disciples is headed, that is, that is Satan's turf. That's his base. That's his home. And Satan is doing everything in his power to keep Jesus and his disciples from coming over and invading his turf. And he's doing everything to stop them. This is a supernatural storm that Satan has brewed up. And Jesus stands up in the boat and he rebukes, not it's the wind, but it is the forces behind the wind. In fact, you should have a handout in your uh, bulletin 
And I left mine over on my pew. But you should have a, a handout in your bulletin. This, this whole episode, this, uh, this moment here, is actually, it is written in the form of an exorcism. And if you compare the exorcism in chapter 1 of Mark to this passage here, they are virtually identical. Jesus is rebuking the demons that are behind this storm. So he's doing two things. He's showing his authority over the demons and he's showing his authority over nature. Both. Now, let's stop and think about what this means for us. You know, you and I can be walking with the Lord and following the Lord and doing the Lord's work and I guarantee you, Satan isn't always happy about that. And sometimes he's going to throw a wrench into the works. Let's, let's go back to the family. And uh, they brought grandmother in to live with them. And, and at first it seemed like things were going to work just fine. But after uh, about five or six weeks, one day the husband comes home from work. And his wife pulls him into the bedroom and she said, we got to talk. And she says to her husband, she says, either your mom goes or I go. What do you mean? What's going on? Well, I'm telling you, she does nothing but complain about my housekeeping. She complains about my cooking. She complains about the children. They're so loud and noisy. She complains about the music they listen to. And today, I go into the kitchen to fix dinner, and I can't find... She has completely rearranged my kitchen. And the husband's thinking, oh no, what have we gotten ourselves into? You know, what, what's really going on there? You know what I think? They're doing the right thing. They're trying to do God's work, God's will, God's way. I think Satan would love to get in there, sow nothing but discord, and destroy a Christian family. That's what he does. He destroys Christian families, Christian marriages, Christian churches. He loves to get in and stir the pot. Now, you might be thinking, well, how do I know if this is a satanic kind of a thing? If you're doing God's will, and you're serving the Lord, and things are just going wrong, and you're having all kinds of obstacles, I'm going to tell you, you probably have... So a spiritual battle going on. So, with that in mind, what do we do? When we're, when we're going through a storm in life, how do we handle that? Let's look at the third thing. Number three. When bad things happen, we have to resist Satan's opposition. We've got to trust God. Alright, Jesus, he's calmed the wind, he's calmed the waves. And then he, talk, he turns to the disciples and, and you would think that Jesus would say something like, hey guys, I understand totally why you were so afraid. I get it. That was a pretty fierce storm. I understand totally why you were so upset. But that's not what Jesus says, is it? He looks at the disciples and he says, why are you so fearful? Do you still have no faith? I mean, he gives them a, a tongue lashing. So, what did Jesus want them to do? 
What did he expect them to do? I think he expected them to deal with this with faith. And they have that faith. They have the faith in their hearts. It's deep down in their hearts. Because faith would calm the storm. It would calm the storm in their hearts. And it would calm the storm on the sea. I think the Lord wanted them to deal with this. And that's why he was sleeping. He wanted them to deal with it on their own. They've got the faith. Get up and deal with it. Tap into that faith you've got deep down in your heart. But they didn't. Let, let, let's see if I can explain it this way. Let's take the family that uh, they brought grandmother to come in and live with them. And things have just turned out terrible. Grandmother and mom are not getting along. So how do we handle that? What would be the faith way of dealing with that? The husband and wife decide, you know what? Let's get up early in the morning. We'll make a cup of coffee. We're going to sit down at the table. We're going to open our Bibles. And we're going to study and read together. And then we're going to pray. Because we recognize this is a spiritual battle that we are in. We know that. Satan is fighting us tooth and nail. We know that. So we're going to sit down and we're going to pray. And we're asking that God, first of all, will give us wisdom in how to solve this. We're going to pray that God would give us patience to be able to live with each other. We're going to ask God to increase our love for each other. We're going to ask God to help us to speak kindly and gently with one another. We're going to ask God to help us because we're going to put our trust in the Lord's power to get us through it. We're going to resist what Satan is trying to do and we're going to put our complete trust in what God can do. That's how we deal with that. You know... For the past 20 months, we have all been in a battle, a storm, let me put it that way. And there's a lot of discussion, where did this storm start? You know, where, where did this virus, where did it originate? Was it in a lab? Was it in a cave? I will tell you who it was that unleashed it on this world. It was Satan, let me tell you. This whole thing was engineered by the devil himself. This is more than just a natural thing. The devil is behind. Look at what the devil has been able to do to the Lord and the Lord's work. And it has stirred up tremendous amounts of fear, anxiety. People are worried. But you know what? If you, if you were to listen carefully... You know what you would hear the Lord saying? He would say, Why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? I think he would say, Trust me. Have faith. Don't be afraid. Trust me. Have faith in me. And here's what I... So here's, here's what I want... I think we could all sum it up. And, and here's what I want us to take home. We navigate, so how do we navigate the storms of life? We navigate the storms of life by resisting Satan's opposition. And we're going to trust God's power. Trust him. Trust him. Now, on the other side of that sheet that's in your bulletin, there's another chart that I put in there. And it's a chart that talks about 
and reveals this incredible parallel between Jonah in the Old Testament and Jesus in the story. Remember Jonah in the, in the Old Testament, all right? Jonah and Jesus are both, both of them are in a boat. And both of them, both of them, a, a supernatural storm overcomes the boat and begins to twist the boat back and forth. And in both of them, Jesus and Jonah are asleep. How interesting. And it's the disciples that wake Jesus. The sailors awaken Jonah. And both of the, both the disciples and the sailors, they're all afraid of dying. There's just all of this parallel going on. But that's where the story, that's, you might think that's where the parallel ends. Because Jesus stands up, he rebukes the, way, the wind, and he calms the waves. Jonah is actually thrown into the sea to calm the wind and the waves. But you stop and think about it. Actually, the parallel does continue. You see, Jonah is thrown into the water where he sinks to the bottom, where he's buried at the very bottom in the belly of a great fish. And in the same way, Think about this. Jesus on the cross faces the wrath of God, the judgment of God. He then too is placed in a tomb for three days and three nights. Like Jonah buried for three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, Jesus is buried three days and three nights. Three days later, he rises victorious over death and sin. And Jesus makes this statement. He says, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so must the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. You see, on the cross, Jesus faced the wrath or the storm, the great storm of God's wrath. And he calmed that storm. He calmed that storm. He calmed the one storm that could destroy us. All these other storms we go through are insignificant. Jesus on the cross calmed the one storm that could destroy every one of us. And that was the storm of God's wrath. And you and I will never face the wrath of God again. There is no, therefore no, now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. And once, once the sight of Jesus bowing his head on the cross, bearing our sin and judgment, once that really gets seared into your heart, you will never again say to God, don't you care? Because he does. If we only knew how much God cared, once we grasp the length of the depth of God's love for us, we will always have the faith to get through any storm in life because he calmed the one storm that could truly harm us and hurt us. All these other storms will never do that. I love that closing hymn, How Firm a Foundation. The soul that on Jesus has leaned for repose, I will not, I will not desert to its foes. 
that soul through all hell should endeavor to shake, I'll never, no, never, no, never forsake. How firm a foundation. I pray that your foundation is in Christ. I know I've been talking to believers, but maybe you're not. Listen, you need to come over to Jesus because the storm that could really, really harm you is still ahead. Put your trust in Christ. He will calm the ultimate storm and he'll get you through the other ones as well. Let's pray. Father, we give thanks for this example that we have from the Gospel of Mark. Father, we know that Christ, we are so thankful that Christ has calmed that ultimate storm the storm of your wrath. We'll never face that. And I pray, Father, that our faith would be strengthened. That when we do go through storms in life, you love us, you're there for us, and we'll come out on the other side. And Father, if there's some here today who's never come to faith in Christ, I pray that they will put their trust in Christ and enjoy the greatness of his love and salvation. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing together two stanzas. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I fear thee. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it, seal it for thy has brought me to this place and I know that thou art free safely home by thy good grace Jesus sought me when a stranger wandering from the fold of If you would like to uh, pray with somebody, um, the elders are up front, I'm up front, come up and we'd be glad to pray with you about any need you might have. And it's good to see everyone. Uh, Don't forget uh, our fundraiser for our Christian school. And oh, this by the way, I'm going to mention this, this is the last Sunday for John and Sharon Henderson. They are moving to Nashville. I don't know why anybody would move to Nashville. I think she's starting her recording career. (laughs) Yeah, actually, uh, their son lives there, and uh, they're moving to be with him. So we're going to miss them a great deal. Go by and tell them how much you love them and miss them. They're part of our family. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for your love and your grace every day. 
And we know in the storms of life, we can always know that you're right there with us. And Lord, I just pray you'll give us the faith to resist what Satan's doing and just keep moving forward, trusting you, your power every day. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. What have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arm, I have blessed peace with my Lord so dear. Leaning on the everlasting arm, leaning, leaning, safe and secure from home. Never